You're listening to Once, episode 317, Eloise Gardner. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time in Seattle. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron. (laughs) And yes, it should be called that because after so many episodes now, we've seen the same backdrop for the blue title card, which shows Seattle. They they really just should have called it Once Upon a Time in Seattle. And it's the spinoff to Once Upon a Time. Do you know what I noticed, though, for the first time in this episode? Not even in this episode, but looking at the title card, I noticed the similarities between, is that the Space Needle in the background? Yeah, the Seattle Space Needle. The Seattle Space Needle and kind of the general shape of the tower that we were in a lot for this episode. Interesting. Yeah, good point. And (laughs) by the way, I will be in Seattle December 7th and 8th-ish. I'm going there for PodCon, which is a podcasting conference or podcast conference, actually. It's not so much about podcasting as it is about podcasts. You have to be a podcaster maybe to understand the deep differences between those two. But nonetheless, uh, I'll be arriving on December 7th, driving to see that troll under the bridge, get a little photo with it maybe, and then uh, (laughs) driving up to Steveston to spend the night in Steveston and get to see some of the filming locations around Steveston, Vancouver, and such. That's December 7th and 8th. So if you are anywhere in the area and you want to meet up, either meet up in Seattle at the Troll Under the Bridge, and maybe we could go out for lunch afterward or something if we get a big enough group together, or uh, if you want to meet me up there in Steveston or Vancouver area, show me some of the things, give me a little tour, whatever, please email me directly. This comes directly to me, so please don't abuse this. Daniel at oncepodcast.com if you want to meet up and put in the subject line, Seattle. Put that in the subject line, even if you're talking about Vancouver and Steveson, just put in the subject line, Seattle, and let me know in the email the details, like phone number, locations, addresses, social security card numbers, and all of that information. That way, when we get there, we can hang out, meet up. Do something fun like that, even if it's just getting our photos at the troll under the bridge or at the, the clock tower that doesn't actually exist. But love to meet up with you. So email me, daniel at oncepodcast.com, if you're interested in that. This episode, Eloise Gardner, I felt like spoiled it just a little bit too quickly that Alice is Eloise. Because there was one other detail I was hoping we could sneak in before it was uh, spoiled, but it was a detail that, Aaron, you had discovered about the meanings of a couple names. Yes. I I think I had just, it was an oversight that I didn't even share this because I had connected it, but I, like I said a couple podcasts ago, I just started Googling name meanings and Eloise means famous in war and Tilly means strength in war. So that's pretty much the same thing. And Alice is famous for slaying the Jabberwocky, which pretty much makes her famous in war. So there's that. But then this episode. (laughs) Well, no, not but then this episode confirmed those connections. It was really nice to be right. It did. But then but then it wasn't Eloise Gardner 
that he found, <laughs> like it wasn't Alice that yeah. he found. Actually, he just did the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed in you thing to his kid <laughs> that he doesn't know is his kid. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And and then he goes off in an ambulance with his kid's mother. That's something to keep in mind. Oh, yeah. I just I let that escape me a little bit. So let's dig deeper into this episode, and because we are thematic, we're going to be a bit all over the place, just like this episode was a bit all over the place. And here's a little uh, disclaimer, or disclosure, whichever one of those disses you want to factor this in. I have not watched the next episode, even though both this episode, Eloise Gardner, and the next episode aired on the same night on ABC in America because of Thanksgiving and other things. I didn't watch the second episode yet. So you might hear some things from me during this episode that will sound utterly stupid because of what happens in the next episode. I will accept that. But no, then I am not spoiled at all as to what happens in the very next episode because we'll be recording separate podcast episodes. Even with our schedule, if you're watching us live or you are listening to the podcast shortly after we publish it, our next episode of the podcast discussing the next episode of the TV show will be on November 27th, even though there won't have been a TV show episode the week before or even that week, we'll still record our podcast episode that week. So you won't have as big of a gap between podcast episodes. And that way we can discuss the separate episodes separately. (laughs) So in case I say things stupid, just please forgive me for being stupid. And please forgive me, Daniel, if I accidentally spoil, but I'm going to try really hard not to. And I did just, just rewatch this one. So I kind of know where it ended and what not to say, because I did watch them. My PVR actually taped them together as a two hour episode. So I did watch them both. And speaking of what not to say, the Wish Realm many years ago. That's what you're not supposed to say on this show. (laughs) There shouldn't be a many years ago in the Wish Realm. So, yes. And (laughs) so I I had read that comment from you and I was like, yeah, how is that working? Because the Wish Realm was just created by the Wish. But I think, and I don't know, I think it was Jacqueline who said, can we just throw the timeline out for this entire season? And I think that might be what's best for us just mentally, but um, the wish realm was like, it took them back to the time right before the curse, correct? And then the curse was not cast. It was clear in this episode. And so we've got like 30 years, 35 years really now to play with between, you know, the flashback that we saw in the pilot of once and present day air quote in the wish realm. Because the curse wasn't cast, and that's why Hook was so old. Right. And that's why, like, those 35 years have passed, right? Right. Without a curse. Yeah. Even though, really, it's not possible Yeah. with magic. We, we did think, <laughs> and we were willing to accept that, well, when the Wish Realm was created, that it imbued everyone with these memories. But these aren't just memories that we saw. This wasn't Assassin's Creed where we get to play through the memories. These were actual events taking place actual years ago. It wasn't like a mythical many years ago or a figurative many years ago. So I think at this point, after this little rant about the timeline, I agree with Jacqueline. I'm going to have to drop it. 
We'll try and make sense of it as much as possible as far as the timeline of this spinoff, otherwise known as season seven. But at this point, it seems like we can't necessarily mix them at all with the timeline that we know from Once Upon a Time proper over the last six years. And after all, the characters are all different. The storylines are different. Well, not all of the characters, but most of the characters are different anyway. So it wouldn't really make sense to tie the two timelines together at this point. And the implication of that is that there's another dark one and another snow and another Regina (laughs) running around everywhere. Because weren't the only two characters who came back, Emma and Henry, from Wish Realm? Well, uh, from Wish Realm, no, it was Robin and Emma and now Hook and now apparently Alice, too, and the witch, apparently. So a bunch of characters coming from the wish realm. No, because because the witch is from a different realm. Remember, they traveled to a different realm. The wish realm people like Smee and Hook traveled to a different realm to this infamous tower. That's right. Right. Of this powerful witch. So the wish realm people are separate from like Lady Tremaine and Drizella and everyone who's in this this realm because that's where they're all from. The tower is the same tower, correct? Yes. Yeah, I they did say. say a tower in a distant realm holds a powerful magic. Yeah. But would you say this tower that Rapunzel slash Gothel was in is the same tower as the tower we saw Regina teaching Drizella magic near oh, years yeah. later? Yeah, I okay. think so. The so, base looks the same. And that's my guess is initially when we saw something about the tower and heard about the tower, I thought, oh, we're going to get to see how Gothel like destroyed the tower out of some rage or something like that. Uh, but no, the tower is all intact, at least at the end of this episode. And that makes me think that Hook was the one who destroyed the tower somehow in his attempts to get Alice free from the the prison there because of the magic so destroying the tower caused that to happen and then i think that the the magic that drizella yes got it right yeah good job the magic that drizella (laughs) was looking for she knew she was digging around where gothel's magic was and i think the magic she found was the exact same dead flower in the box that fake Rapunzel showed in this episode. Interesting. Which was the flower that was imprisoning her in there in the first place. Right. So here's one thing that I was left with a big question at the end. Does that mean that Lady Tremaine is Rapunzel, in your opinion, so far with what we know? That's an interesting thought. I I was kind of ready to let go the idea that Rapunzel really existed until we did hear that uh, the witch did say, no, Rapunzel tricked her, basically. Rapunzel got out. Uh, It would be very interesting and a a logical connection. Already, some of our fans have submitted theories that maybe Lady Tremaine is Rapunzel because of how short her hair is and how it has the kind of ombre coloring look. So that, I think, seems very reasonable because... Everyone on Once Upon a Time is connected somehow. Well, and it seems pretty clear that Lady Tremaine has a history with Gothel, Mm -hmm. 
in present day, it seems clear that they have some type of a history from the past. And her comment was so eerie at the end where she said, you have no idea who you just let crawl out into this world. Yeah. So it's almost like I wonder if she is a bad guy or if like that woman needed to be imprisoned. And as Matthew Paul's pointing out in the chat room, Victoria's last name, remember, Belfry, we always have been joking about the bat and the Belfry. Well, Belfry could also mean tower. So furthering that connection between the Lady Tremaine and Rapunzel. I wonder if there's even some kind of anagram or meaning connection between Rapunzel and Lady Tremaine, but we won't get into that tonight unless someone in the chat room brings it up. So one of the things, though, that is furthering this connection maybe is from present day when Victoria and the witch were talking inside of the tower, Belfry Tower, (laughs) Victoria referenced that the witch taught Victoria how to break a heart. Yes, I noticed that as well. And that was a line that was used last episode, I believe, in reference to Regina. And I said, she doesn't break hearts. She crushes them. (laughs) So, yeah. And the witch has some kind of green thumb. We've already seen her magic is tied to flowers and ivy in certain ways. Was it ivy that she grew for the stuff to give to Regina to wake her up? Did we talk about that? Some some kind of plant. I loved her little like, you know, she was talking about the plant to grow the plant. It has to latch on to something. And then she's really talking about Ivy, like Ivy would have had to latch on to something. And that's the witch. And so she was going to take her away, Mm. take the witch away from Ivy so that Ivy has nobody. Boy, did that backfire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all all very nicely done, though, for for Hook's sake and for Drizella's <laughs> sake. Yeah, she did great. Like that, it's she is such a good actress, even in the final scene. Like, like she cares if Cinderella gets Lucy back. Like, but she looked heartbroken for her. Like, she's just she's Drizella is a fantastic actress. Yeah, I'm not so sure on her motivation regarding Lucy. And Cinderella, I I can understand if she's like the evil stepsister and just doesn't want to see any of her family have any happiness whatsoever. But then again, she could, it seems, let Jacinda and Lucy live together, have a happy ever after, and it not negatively affect Drizella. However, there is this whole curse breaking thing, which... (laughs) Drizella clearly doesn't want the curse broken. That's why she put in this special fail safe. Right. Which is tricky. <laughs> I'm still I'm still wanting to know more, more about that before I give many theories because all we know is that it's some type of a fail safe yeah. in, involving people Regina loves. And I know there's, again, this awkward and strange conversation that probably many of the fans will be having about the nature of deception on Gothel's part with Hook. Yes. So that's a conversation that'll happen out there. <laughs> we've, we've already discussed that because we've seen this really happen on both sides in the history of Once Upon a Time, like with Arthur and his wife, and we've seen it with Zelina and Robin Hood. So it's it's a nasty, yucky situation that living in a magical world kind of makes 
situations like that possible. It's not really something that I would hope that would be faced in real life, but it is nasty, manipulative, deceptive, but at least a Hook has a daughter. A baby came yeah. out of it. <laughs> yeah. And she is definitely Alice slash Eloise, because that's what Hook called her at the end of this episode. Little baby Alice. It was it was so sweet to see Hook like come around like that. Like wish Hook because he's still the original kind of Hook that we knew back in season 2 who wanted his revenge and it's it's nice to see his heart change. Like and he did it happened very quickly but I mean there wasn't a, a baby involved. And he did use the word abandon which I know that he has abandonment issues so from his his father. So um yeah, it was cute. And of course, that's going to be what changes him. And and we can even see now how it's affecting him in present day, even though he doesn't even know he's missing his daughter. He knows he's missing his daughter. It's going to be a really weird situation now that the woman he discovered, whom he thinks is Eloise, is actually that vengeful witch who is the mother of his daughter. And he thinks it's, well, he doesn't know it's his daughter, but she knows who the daughter is. You can see that kind of when she was being taken away or, or does she know? Yeah, she probably knows that Alice is truly her daughter. She definitely had some type of a look, but Alice looked at her too, but there didn't seem to be any recognition there. Right. Unless it's one of those weird things coming back in Alice's mind, kind of like when we saw baby Alice and then the cut to Tilly in present day where it was kind of like Tilly just woke up there in the middle of this crime scene. Like, what What am I doing here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. But what I wonder is with Rumpel here, his motivation in all of this. Oh, man. I OK. So truthfully, I must have had my head down the first time I watched. I didn't even see the dagger scene. So I was still judging his motives trying to figure out if he was still awake throughout the rest of the rewatch or th- sorry, throughout the rest of my first watch um, because I hadn't seen that he had the dagger. And then we got feedback that said he had the dagger. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, obviously it's clear that he is, I would say, 100% awake if he knows about the dagger. But then he does seem to be prote- like trying to protect Hook. Yeah. And... Protect him from what? How is it protecting him? Like, well, because because of what Hook let crawl out into the world by by pursuing this case. Like, that's what it made me think of when Belfry said that to Ivy. Like, you have no idea what you just let crawl out. Like, perhaps that's why Rumple was trying to keep her locked up because he also knows who she is and also knows the threat that she could provide. So you think that. Rumple and Ivy are at odds with each other and they've both been manipulating situations because the whole reason that Eloise, fake Eloise was discovered. Boy, Gothel is good at faking people (laughs) or assuming other people's (laughs) identities. But the whole reason she was discovered and then let loose was because of Drizella's manipulations of Wishhook or Rogers. And I don't think... Rumple had anything to do with that because after all the discovery of fake Eloise led to Lady Tremaine's arrest so now Victoria is going to prison and Drizella is really happy about it 
So Ivy just used the obsession that Rogers had with finding this missing girl to her advantage. So are we both on the same page that Eloise Gardner is not really that woman? Oh, even yeah, though she's yeah. a fake person anyway, because that's that's what has me confused. And like Rumpel said to Hook, <laughs> we're just using all the names. Weaver said to Rogers, like, you are looking for someone, but it's not Eloise Gardner. So that's that's why I'm unclear. And so was is he trying to stop Rogers from finding his daughter, like real daughter in real life, not cursed? Or was he trying to stop Rogers from discovering the bat in the belfry? I guess that's what I'm not clear on. I think it could even simply be a timing thing that Hook knows that if Rogers is led to Tilly, as Tilly is Alice slash Eloise Gardner, that it would be like causing Hook's head to explode. And this isn't the right time for that. The curse needs to be broken first or certain situations need to be dealt with before Hook can have this revelation. I do even wonder whether Weaver even knows everything that's been going on with Belfry. I mean, Weaver, Rump being Rumpel, that is, does seem to have his hands in everything and knowledge of almost everything that's going on. So what's he going to do now that Gothel is loose? I'm betting we might see a conversation between them at some point. Like, that's going to be brilliant if that we do. Interesting, yeah. Because he's got to know that she's awake if he knows who she is. Which I'm going to say that the Dark One would know who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just like I'm I'm waiting for the Regina Rumpel conversation. It's got to happen and it's going to be good. Well, and Jeremy, who wasn't able to join us tonight, raises a point that now that Regina is awake, she likely remembers a lot that we don't even know yet. And True. we see her kind of acting based on that knowledge, just really about the consequence of the curse. But we haven't really seen what else she knows and how that's affecting her decisions and maybe what secret she knows or who she knows. We still need to see Regina and Rumpel have an interesting conversation with each other. And uh, especially now that this, this evil witch is loose, I think we might see Regina and Rumpel team up in some way to defeat the witch. But we'll see. It's amazing. We normally have like the one big bad of the season. There's like 20 of them in this episode. Not in this episode, but so far in this season. And that's what they did with the last season too. Remember, we thought that uh, Jekyll and Hyde was going to be this big storyline that will be stretched out after weeks and weeks of battles and other things. But then there they went solving it on day one. And the next big bad was Regina's clone, and it was something else, and then something else. So it's transitioned, and I kind of like that they're doing it that way, because especially since we have the winter hiatus coming up, we've got three episodes after this one. I know one of those actually already aired, but we're not talking about it yet, because I haven't (laughs) even seen it yet. So to my perspective, we have three more episodes left before the winter hiatus, and... It would be interesting if Victoria is not really a force to be reckoned with anymore in those three episodes, but instead it transitions to uh, these final three episodes before the hiatus showing 
Gothel to be the big bad and some kind of major cliffhanger with her just before the Christmas break. And do you think we're going to get this curse broken before Christmas break? Mm. Is there an episode called Broken coming up? Because that might be. <laughs> I, I don't keep up with the episode titles. Broken part two. I'm yeah. just joking. Broken again. <laughs> that's that's why we don't keep up with episode titles, because that was literally the title of the episode yeah. where the curse got broken in yeah. season one. Uh, actually, no, that was the title of the season two finale episode. When the curse was broken. Okay. So that yeah. wasn't a huge spoiler. But we have seen spoilers based on episode titles before. Anyway. I have a feeling it will be broken. Now, what is the the full reach of the curse? That's the other thing to consider. Like this whole forgetting aspect, is that actually part of the curse or is that something else? Like, could everyone remember who they are without the curse actually being broken? Or the whole forgetting who they are, is that part of the curse that the two can't be broken without the other? Well, and I wonder that too, like if Regina somehow got a hold of that potion that Ivy put in her drink and just went around potioning people and they're waking up, the curse isn't broken, but everyone's awake. Yeah. So they could just get out of there before true love's kiss and then do that somewhere else in some other realm where the curse doesn't hold. (laughs) We got a couple interesting emails about the nature of the curse. This is from Bobby saying, hi there. Thanks for putting out this podcast. It always makes my week. I'm racking my brain about the curse. Uh, I read an interview with Adelaide Kane, who plays Ivy slash Drizella, and she actually said that she doesn't even know for sure who cast the curse and that her money is on Alice. Now, we don't know when that was released, and it's very understandable that they keep some of these stories from the actors and actresses. But even if they did tell her and she said, we would not be reading it here because I would be considered a spoiler. (laughs) That being said... I think it still could be Ivy slash Drizella. In your discussion for Wake Up Call, you briefly brought up how they might need Lucy's heart. What I'm thinking is that back in the all-new Enchanted Forest, Ivy will cast the curse after learning that Henry, of the heart of the truest believer, and Ella are going to have a child. She decides that in order to get her ultimate revenge on Tremaine and truly make her hurt, she needs to bring Anastasia back and then kill her. What I'm mostly curious about is nested betrayal. Drizella cast the curse, gave Tremaine a cursed memory that she herself cast the curse, but perhaps the witch truly cast the curse and gave Drizella this idea that she did. This could even go so far as our heroes, not to be confused with your patrons, (laughs) nice, (laughs) creating a curse that makes the villains believe they cast the curse in a way to overturn it. Oh, gosh. I'm still reading here. And then what if Rumpel passes the Dark One power onto Regina, the one person we know can handle both light and dark relatively well at once? Tried and true, she's done well. So layers of curses, nested (laughs) betrayal. Thank you, Bobby, for that feedback. I wouldn't be surprised if something like this was going on because we've already seen this kind of manipulation already where Lady Tremaine thought she was in power, but then... It seemed like the witch was in power, but then it seems like Ivy's in power. And now it seems back like maybe the witch is in power. (laughs) Well, I just thought it was hilarious that Tremaine thought she was awake first. (laughs) Yeah. How long have you been awake? Longer than you. I don't think that's how it actually went, but something like that. And I, I do think that that feedback basically illustrates 
that anything is possible in Wentzland. <laughs> and building on that, this theory from Gareth, fake curse casters. After listening to this week's podcast, a theory occurred to me. What if neither Victoria nor Ivy actually cast the curse, but they both think they did? Whoever actually cast the curse could have twisted their memories to make them believe that they were the one to cast it. We know that Ivy wanted to cast it, so twisting her memory to think she had would not be too much of a stretch. Victoria also had reason to want to cast it, so same logic. It is fairly clear in Hyperion Heights that Victoria thinks she cast the curse and does not know that Ivy is awake or believes she cast it, or even that Drizella was plotting against her in the other world, until this episode. In other words, Victoria's memory has been altered, and hence, she might not qualify as fully awake. If the true curse caster is someone like the witch in the Belfry, a great way to manipulate people into doing what she wants would be to make them think they are in control. Forget that she cast the curse and make them think they are working towards their own ends. Maybe thinking in their memories they even remember going to her for help, but the twist is thinking it was only help doing it themselves rather than her doing it. This would fit with what the witch said about Victoria needing to deal with her after reviving her daughter. Victoria achieving her goal might release the witch to pursue whatever she is plotting. And now that witch is loose or close to loose. I think one thing, so this feedback especially is reminding me that technically Regina cast the first curse. However, it was completely orchestrated by Rumpelstiltskin to get Neil back. So, and I believe if I'm recalling correctly, seven years ago, that was because Rumpelstiltskin couldn't cast the curse because he didn't have anybody he loved. Like he didn't have the power to do it. He couldn't take the heart of the thing he loves most because he loved nothing. He was the dark one. So I'm just, I'm wondering if it could even be an angle like that because really none of the things that, none of the reasons for casting the curse that anybody has are as big as that, as I need to go to a land without magic to find my son. It's like, I'm sure that Drizella could have been creative and found a way to torture her mother if they had not cast this curse. And I'm sure that Lady Tremaine could have found a way in a land with magic to wake up her daughter or to revive, resurrect her daughter. So it just occurs to me that we're still missing a very big piece about why this curse was cast. And that doesn't help us know who cast it, but I I still think that Drizella, like my my current opinion is that Drizella cast the curse, but that it was definitely uh like fed to her by Gothel. Yeah. I'm pretty certain Gothel and Drizella are in league with each other before this and certainly after this. But then again, it also seems like Drizella has no idea how horrible Gothel really is. And we'll probably see that in flashbacks in future episodes is that we'll see Gothel and Drizella together in New Enchanted Forest in the flashbacks. But even then, Gothel is all like, oh, you poor girl. And not even Regina would teach you the magic you need. Well, I will teach you because you remind me of my childhood or remind me of that daughter I just gave birth to very quickly the other day or whatever, you know, sad story (laughs) she tells in order to get on Drizella's good side and for the two of them to trust each other. 
and have some kind of very, very deep friendship as well because of certain terms of endearment that have been used between the two of them and the, the mutual respect that they seem to have for each other. We don't know the nature of their relationship, so it really could be anything at this point. And then I hope we also go back even further with Gothel to see her history potentially with Lady Tremaine, but definitely with Rapunzel. I mean, I guess we're only going to get to see that if Rapunzel is, in fact, a significant character, i.e. she is Lady Tremaine. But that would show their history. Because, like I said, it's clear they have a history, too. Tremaine and the witch. Yeah. I really would not be surprised if (laughs) Tremaine is Rapunzel. And we've seen this before where, like, we only hear one person's name. Like Sheriff Graham, for example. Sorry to bring him back up. But Sheriff Graham's last name, we never learned until after he died. And his last name, uh, Hebert, I think it was, uh, is the same name as the Huntsman in the original Snow White movie. Uh, Never called by that name, but he is credited as being that name in the character uh, listing. And, And so when we discovered Sheriff Graham's full name, it made perfect sense. We might discover something similar to that with Lady Tremaine. Like maybe her name is really Lady Rapunzel Tremaine. Maybe. Well, I'm wondering if the Lady Tremaine part would have been like a married name too. So we might have like absolutely no idea who she is or was before, because before her children at least, and how she became a lady. Mm Mm-hmm. If that's even like, I don't even know the history of that title. It's, I believe, and I'm probably horribly getting this wrong, but I believe it's basically like the female version of a man being called a sir. And to be called a sir, you have to be a knight. And by the way, I am an official knight of the No Agenda (laughs) podcast roundtable. That is, I I was recently knighted there because of some contributions. But uh, so now I'm Sir Daniel J. Lewis of Audacious Podcasting, in case you're wondering, in the morning to you, if you know (laughs) what I'm talking about. But uh, so Lady Tremaine might have been like the female version of knighted, basically. She's she's like a dame of some position. And we see that uh, from the flashbacks, she, well, no, that was Cinderella's family. Lady Tremaine clearly has power. And position and authority and influence. So, yeah, she might have married into the ladyness. Yeah. And we already know that this kingdom is a little different because they have more than one princess being Princess Tiana, who lives in a different castle than the king. But yes, I guess it's lord and lady. Lord and lady. And it means like sovereign, the master. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she could have just been Lady Tremaine like she's the master of the house because she clearly was a- abusing Cinderella's. She's treating her like a slave. Mm-hmm. Jared in the chat room said, if Victoria is Rapunzel, then this is going to get weird in here. <laughs> yep. As opposed to how normal it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who helps us keep it not weird? Or maybe helps us keep it weird when it's appropriate to be weird is our wonderful heroes. And for this episode, I'd like to thank Lisa Slack, Lisa R, and our 21 heroes on Patreon. We couldn't do this podcast without you. You are like the magical flower that's uh, growing somewhere, the bright, beautiful, glowing, glows when a song is sung or a podcast is played. You are that (laughs) magic that releases us from prison. And don't worry, none of this stuff of having to leave our blood offspring behind 
you let us take our blood offspring with us. You are our wonderful heroes who climb up our hair into the towers to release us from prison. This metaphor is quickly dying if it hasn't already died already, but you are those wonderful heroes. So thank you, Lisa. Well, to the Lisas for this episode and our 21 heroes on Patreon. If you would like to be an amazing hero for the podcast too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. There are certain levels of support where you get your name mentioned in the episodes, but everyone who supports us over there does get access to all of our past bloopers as well as the bloopers as we release them. So you can laugh at our mistakes as we do many times. That's over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Is Jeremy going to be okay with that segue? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Hashtag unsupervised. (laughs) So bringing this back to Alice, now that Alois Gardner has been discovered and Alice feels abandoned, I think, again, I'm thinking she's going to be coming off her medication soon and she'll be waking up or maybe she'll go to Weaver and ask for help and weaver will help her remember things truly and she then might become another person in the know and trying to manipulate things but does she even know yeah yeah i think if she were woken up she would know that hook is her father well from what we know of that in the past hook hook like clearly said he used to play chess with her so she she was of an age that she's cognizant enough to play chess when she saw him last at the very least so i agree once she's awake she should know that hook is her father yeah and with the chess thing probably will not see them use the chess pieces anymore because they've been giving us those clues for several episodes and it feels so good to be right about one of those (laughs) theories and those little easter eggs i feel like it was a better reveal too than i know your bail fire yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Like it was a way more endearing, endearing moment. <laughs> I loved Weaver. I love how Robert Carlyle can play the same character so differently, but the same. Like, so he's got gold and he's got Rumpelstiltskin and then now he's got Weaver and it's clear they're the same, but he, there's just these different nuances about him. Yeah. In every single version. So he's like, it's kind of like how Lana Perea plays Regina. Like, it's just so well done. Like, we're very lucky to have the actors that we have on the show. I don't think they would have been able to do half of what they've done if they didn't have the actors to pull it off. Yeah, and you can see that in Weaver's face, too. They're in the the evidence room where it, it kind of, my interpretation of his face is he really, really wants to help Hook. He truly does want to help, but he's having to do this manipulation to protect Hook and uh, to look for that opportune moment when when evil can be defeated because he's not being totally selfish anymore, although he does have a little bit of a selfish motive, but his friends are caught up in all of this and he's wanting to help them and this is the way he has to do it, is he has to be a double agent or maybe a triple agent of sorts <laughs> and play these different roles and manipulate things behind the scenes to try to steer people away from the truth until the right moment. And that's what I see in his face. The only thing I don't like about how he's doing it, and I totally agree, like he's he wants, 
I think that he is on the side of good, especially from what we saw in previous episodes where he was warning Regina about Drizella and like, why, why would her mom want her to be training you? Like that scene, it, it shows where he is, or at least where we last left him. Who knows? There's still been some time. But the only thing I don't like is if he knows that Alice is Hook's daughter, that's just mean to be ploying her against him, like yeah. to have her feeding him the false information. And now he's mad at her and keeping them separate. However, that said, perhaps he's also aware of the fail safe and the curse. And maybe there's more than one true love's kiss that could op- that could break the curse. And he could also be trying to protect them. Or what did Hook say in the past that the witch poisoned his heart? What was that? Yeah, it was something like that. And so maybe Rumple's intentionally keeping them apart. Well, the witch locked his daughter, the vengeful witch locked his daughter in a tower or locked his daughter away, something like that. That was what we'd heard before. And now we know that aspect of the story. Not so sure about the poisoned heart thing, though. He did. He said that. He said that his heart was poisoned, but I don't remember the context of it. Yeah. And that could be in reference to his not even recognizing his daughter. Like now, or maybe even in the past, he wasn't able to recognize her. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's, I'd forgotten about that. Maybe that is also why Rumpel is using Tilly specifically. Yeah. Because now it's pretty clear that Rogers wants nothing to do with Tilly anymore. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dad, I'm sorry. Well, and and switching from daddy issues to mommy issues, uh, the mills (laughs) and the, the situation there, the tension and... It's just ups and downs, like getting close to breaking the curse. And oh, no, 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 no. We need to reel them back in. And again, Lana Perea's facial acting skills are fantastic in this episode. You can see the pain in her face of having to do these kinds of things, manipulate the situations to try to kind of keep them a little bit apart, at least for now, maybe. Yeah, she does such a good job. She's so torn. And then... It even seemed like when she was talking to Jacinda about basically planting the seed of like, you don't want to get involved with Henry because that like social services that'll look bad for you. It almost when she said how you met and she was meaning his daughter or your daughter found her favorite author. Like it was almost like she was reminiscent of, you know, how they actually met and how cute that story is. Mm hmm. Hands down, my favorite Lucy line ever from this series. I didn't care whether you found out or not. (laughs) (laughs) That was so great. And she's actually been really irritating me with her like, come on, guys, we have to do it. We have to find out. (laughs) Like just her like frantic obsession has been annoying. She's an annoying little kid. I do believe that I was annoyed with Henry in season one as well. But like, that was so great. Her and Lady Tremaine, she pretty much won that battle, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it still makes me wonder, is she truly awake in any way? Or is it all because of what she's read in the storybook? Nonetheless, it seems like she might be 
out of the show for the next few episodes, at least, since she's going into the system. And so when the kid is removed from the show, kind of makes me think uh, we're preparing for some big battle where you don't want a kid around to get hurt in it. Yeah, I kind of just as like a personal rant, I don't really like when the, when they pursue and television pursues social services as this thing that like sweeps in and removes children that are like well loved and safe in their households. And I get why they did it like they did it for the sake of the story. And now there's this conflict and, you know, Jacinda's going to have to fight for her or whatever. But it's just it's so fake like that would never happen. And it's just, it's disappointing to see, especially in a show that has been very, uh, you know, pro adoption and pro families like that. It's, it's disappointing. That's just (laughs) Aaron's personal rant about the, that scene, but just struck a nerve. Jeremy had a prediction in his mind that Jacinda would work for Ronnie from day one of watching this spinoff. So nice job predicting that, Jeremy. It makes sense. She's got a bar. It's full of people. She needs the server. Yeah. (laughs) And nice to see the family all working together, although they don't really know they're all family. Well, Regina does, (laughs) but the others don't. Poor Regina. She's always like got a hit against her. But we're going to see her overcome it in some way, I think, or work with. I really think what's going to happen is Rumpel and Regina are going to talk and Regina's going to do her whole little thing, maybe kind of like we saw back in season one, where she'll be like, uh, you know, tell me your name, your real name. And it'll be like <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. She's like, you're awake. How long? And, you know, that whole thing. We're going to probably see something like that again. And then some nice talking again, similar to what we saw in the previous episode of Once Upon a Time back in New Enchanted Forest when they had that nice sit-down conversation on the log and Rumpel was like, well, you know, Cora this, Cora, and all of that. (laughs) I think we'll get to see that kind of nice friendship level connection again and teaming up to try to defeat evil. But who knows? I haven't even seen the very next episode, which everyone who's listening to this podcast has probably already seen, unless you're listening far in the future. I definitely hope we get some Rumpel Regina banter soon. Yeah. That's all I can say. So that's our conclusion for the discussion of this episode. And you can laugh about how much stuff I got wrong or how stupid I sounded because you know what happens in the very next episode. I will watch the next episode tomorrow night since it's already been released. But a couple notes about the podcast and TV show schedule. We have at this time coming up, Thanksgiving is on November 23rd, 2017. So there will be no episode on Friday, the 24th of November, as well as Friday, December 1st. So uh, no episodes of Once Upon a Time for the next couple weeks until it comes back on December 8th. And then we have the final episode of the mid-season or this first half of the season is December 15th. So we'll be doing podcast episodes the following Mondays. We'll do our full discussion episode about the next episode of Once Upon a Time, which you've probably already seen. We will record that on Monday night, 7 p.m., November 27th. So kind of maintaining a normal podcast schedule, even though that means it's then a week and a half after you saw 
that episode. So you get plenty of time to think through your theories and send us your <laughs> theories. Make sure you put the title of that episode in the subject line if you're emailing us or you can call, send all of your feedback and everything through the website at oncepodcast.com slash contact. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without our great team and your support. So specifically, I'd like to thank John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Jack for writing our show notes, and thanks to Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You won't hear spoilers, though, for a couple more weeks until there are some fresh new spoilers to share. And thanks to my co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, why is woman's footwear the constant bane of my existence? <laughs> and thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you want to be one of those incredible heroes too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And as Manic put it in the chat room, the official serial for Once Podcast is here. O's. So thank you for being one of our wonderful heroes. <laughs>